0: time to check in with the view from Victoria with the Vancouver Suns, Vaughn Palmer. Good morning to you.
1: And good morning, Jill.
0: And as expected, the premier with the new St. Paul's hospital site in the background was asked not about, well, some, some, a bit about healthcare, but also about the park board.
1: Yeah. In fact, he, <laughs> we thought he might come prepared for questions on that. And in fact, he opened his uh, news conference and speech yesterday with a joke. He said, uh, We're here to talk about an issue that's front of mind for British Columbians, the fate of the Vancouver Park Board, and then he said, just kidding, I hope, but it was the first question, and the premier was prepared. He gave a very cautious answer, aware that the city council in Vancouver had at 10 p.m. on Wednesday night or voted to ask the provincial government to give it the power to wipe out the Vancouver Park Board, the elected one. Premier said, now that sort of tossed the ball into the government's court, Uh, The request to the province to change the law. Eby tossed the ball right back. He said that the province is looking forward to receiving a transition plan from the city of Vancouver for how it actually intends to manage this transition. And he also said what has to be in that plan. The first thing he said the city needs to do is to explain how it is going to consult indigenous people, the indigenous nations on whom the city of Vancouver occupies their traditional territory. He also said it's an NDP government, right? They want to see a plan for how uh, the the city is going to deal with the employees of the park board. What's going to happen to them? And the last thing he said was he needs to see what the city is going to do about the parks and the park facilities. Uh, There's been some suggestion that because a significant number of Vancouver city parks are actually, quote, marks temporary, um, their fate may change. So I took that as a very cautious response from the premier and also telling Mayor Sim and his council what they have to do before the provincial government will lift a finger to help them.
0: Uh, and the word, uh, I'm sure a, a lot of people saw that uh, that one line, provide the province with the transition plan, and thought, hmm, where have we heard that before? Yeah, yes, no, in Surrey. True. Yeah,
1: no, it's <laughs> funny. And of course, everybody went, oh, God, here we go, Surrey again. And the <laughs> premier, that's the other thing on which the premier was prepared. He rejected any comparison <laughs> to this situation and sorry, no wonder the New Democrats wish they'd never gone down that road. So he said, no, I mean, obviously, people are not going to mistake the challenge of who responds when you dial 911 and which police force responds. They're not gonna mistake that with a discussion between the province and the city over the fate of an elected park board. Well, he hopes that we won't get there. But, you know, again, I see saw quickly overnight uh, some suggestion, I guess, from Ken Sim supporters that the province has approved this in principle. I don't see that at all. I see the provincial government laying down some conditions that the mayor and council have to meet before the province will do anything. And that really matters Jill, because of the mechanics of the way the legislature works. So the House sits on the 20th of February, and there'll be a budget and a throne speech, and it'll be an election budget. You may recall that when the legislature sat this year early, it had very little to do for two weeks. That is because the EB agenda was held up in... The Legislature Drafting Committee. So, there's a committee of the House that oversees the drafting, a government that oversees the drafting of legislation, and it has a staff of people who were in charge of writing legislation, and it's complicated. So, they had trouble getting EB's agenda ready for this year's session because it takes a while and there was a shortage of drafting team. So just imagine where the city of Vancouver's request for legislation is going to be on the EB agenda for the spring session of the legislature when he's got an election to fight later in the year. He's got his own agenda and he's already told the city of Vancouver what they have to deliver before the government will even look at the request. So the the onus is really back on Ken Sim and the city. We'll now find out how well prepared Mayor Ken Sim and his council majority were for this because I think the message coming from the New Democrats is we're not going to reject this, but we're not going to do it or make it a priority until you've told us, until you've met all these tests we've laid down for a transition plan.
0: Right, and I was thinking that too. When were they expecting this? Because it doesn't seem like they have a lot of answers, Ken, Sim and the team, when people have been asking about this. So, were they expecting that they'd be asked for a transition plan? How long is it going to take them to put it together? And and what's that going to look yeah. like?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've had, you know, I was surprised on the indigenous thing. Obviously, some of the critics of what the city's planning to do have raised this issue, which is. We're in an era where our public institutions in British Columbia have pledged to live up to the standards of the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. And one of the central issues there is consult and accommodate First Nations before you take action. So that's a very important pushback. From the premier, he's reminding the mayor, this is an UNDRIP province, and you want the provincial government to do something, you better be able to come to the province and say, hey, we've dealt with the First Nations. We've got them on side for what we're doing here. Uh, You've raised an interesting issue, Jill, to me. How much preparation and how much work did Ken Sim and his council majority put into this issue before Sim announced what he was going to do? It seemed to me that it came out of the blue. He's been unable so far to explain where his claim, the millions of dollars in savings of this plan will come from. It looked to me like he didn't have everything ready to go with the provincial government either, but he's got some time to do that. Although, again, as I say, it takes the province a while to draft legislation, get it into the House, And you have to persuade the New Democrats in an election year that your legislation should take precedence over the rest of the agenda for a spring session of the legislature, Jill, that as we discussed yesterday, the New Democrats have shortened it to 10 weeks from 12 weeks. They're gonna use up a lot of the time in that session. They have to pass a budget, pass legislation. I don't know how much time they're gonna have to deal with Ken Sims' priority.
0: Continuing now with Vaughn Palmer. And Vaughn, it seems like every day we are hearing heartbreaking stories of people who need cancer treatment, who are making very difficult decisions, who aren't getting the care they need in a timely fashion. And I know that came up yesterday as well.
1: Yeah, it did with the premier yesterday. It was a healthcare announcement. He was touring the new St. Paul's Hospital that's under construction. Um, you know, I, I would say one of the big changes in the healthcare story here in B.C., when we used to talk, Jill, about wait times for healthcare, we tended to be talking about waiting, you know, hip and knee replacements. I've been on one of those waiting lists, and it's no fun waiting for a knee replacement, but uh, it's not life-threatening usually either. And, and we're talking about waiting time for cancer treatment. It's a, it's a whole new level of discussion. British Columbia was always proud of leading the country in cancer treatment and response time, and yeah, you might be waiting for a new hip, but you weren't to be waiting for cancer care. Now we're hearing it. And it is life and death. And the stories that are compiling up are of people who've made some very difficult decisions. They can't wait. They've gone elsewhere. People who've paid a small fortune to get treatment in another country or another province. We've had one, uh, it's just a heartrending story of somebody who got told, um, why don't you consider medically assisted dying? And we've had one woman who did take that option. And uh, my colleague, Katie Rose has been doing some of the stories for The Sun, and I know there's been lots of coverage in other media as well, but Katie said the other day that she's done three stories, and every time she does a story, Jill, about these Horror stories of waiting for cancer treatment, she hears another example. People call her up and say, well, what about my case? Um, These are horrible stories. They're sobering. And they're a real challenge to the New Democrats. Uh, The issue got raised with the Premier yesterday. And he said um, he's not satisfied with BC's performance on dealing with cancer. He says there's been a spike in an aging population and a big spike in the number of people seeking treatment. There's waiting lists and all that. But, you know, he says he's not satisfied. And uh, unacceptable is one of David Eby's most common words when he responds to areas where his government hasn't lived up to its promises yet. I don't know how much patience the public has with the premier on this one. You know, he pointed to the hospital under construction behind him. Uh, He has the same stats that Adrian Dix does about the doctors they've hired and all the nurses and people they've recruited. But, you know, the stats are one thing. The photo ops are one thing, but Jill... The anecdotes on this are what I think is increasingly plaguing the government. You don't need to hear very many of these horror stories before you go. These guys have been government for eight years. What are they doing about it?
0: Yeah, and I I think, uh, like you said, and and, uh, your colleague, Katie DeRosa, we are just going to hear, not just, but we are going to be hearing more and more of these stories because people are sharing them. Because, uh, yeah, it is unacceptable, but uh, people want answers, I think, and want to to find out what else is being done. Well, yeah, I mean, the,
1: the awful thing about the this is unacceptable is the government's actually accepting it. Right? They're, they're saying that the public healthcare system is the answer. They're saying they've hired 40,000 healthcare workers. They've said they've increased the budget to record amounts. They're doing everything they can. And these problems can't be solved overnight. All of that is true. But I think the question is how much public patience is there for this? Um, as I said, the government's been in power for eight years. Now you can know, look to the opposition, what are their solutions? Uh, that's a challenge as well. But I just I just think this storyline is taking over because, I mean, I was surprised. I, I began to realize how bad this was when the New Democrats started sending patients to Bellingham. Like any acknowledgement that the American healthcare system has anything to offer Canada flies in the face of NDP rhetoric. You know, they've always, always, always opposed any reforms of the healthcare system where they could say, "Wow, well, that would just Americanize the system. And now the BC government is paying for care in Bellingham, paying for people to travel there, paying for them to take caregivers with them. Um, you know, and, and, and the take up on that wasn't as big as they expected, but it still tells me that this has reached a level of crisis where even privately at least, the New Democrats are rethinking some of their rhetoric about how to fix the health care system.
0: It uh, is certainly something that uh, we will continue talking about. Uh, On that note, though, Vaughn, we're out of time. Great chatting with you, and Simi is back on Monday.
1: Yeah, and Jill, just a pleasure working with you. Uh, Looking forward to Simi coming back, but it's uh, been, I hate to say it because it's news we're doing, but uh, it's also been a pleasure working with you. It's a lot of fun.
0: And you as well. Vaughn, thank you so much.
1: Bye-bye.